Welcome to another edition of the TDN Writers Room. This is the Breeders' Cup edition, and my name is Bill Finley. I'm a correspondent for the Thoroughbred Daily News, also co-host the Down the Stretch Show every Saturday on Sirius XM Radio with Dave Johnson. Guys, Randy Moss with NBC Sports. Clearly, I'm not in my uh, office with Lucy behind me. You can see there, right? Santa Anita Live. Got a trash can and two Amazon boxes set up here for my computer. Zoe and I were going to sit together in the grandstand, but we figured it would kind of mess up our little Brady Bunch box system here. <laughs> so we decided just to split up and do it separately. Right, Zoe? That is exactly right. So I'm here in the grandstand. I'll just give you guys a, a quick view of the San Gabriel Mountains there. It's a beautiful day. Really, Randy, we should be down in the breakfast marquee drinking mimosas. I mean, we can meet afterwards if you want and just go and knock a couple back. But it's it's been a beautiful day here today, and we look forward to great weather. And I am in the NBC compound, if you want to check it out here. There's the there's the trailers. Oh, that, right? yeah, that looks great. There's my setup. So exciting. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. So it's Tuesday of Breeders' Cup week and uh, the entries are out now. What we're going to do is all Breeders' Cup handicapping all the time. We'll be joined a little bit later in the show by George Gregorian, who is the uh, owner of Just FYI and Warlike Goddess, two horses that have uh, strong uh, chances in their Breeders' Cup races. But guys, uh, we attacked the entire card last uh, year. Um, I don't believe we did that well, if I can remember. I know I did terrible. So let, let's hope that we can uh, give some insights to our many viewers and listeners that might help us out. Okay, so let's start with the Friday card. Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, five furlongs on the grass. And uh, this is a race where the U.S. horses uh, have more than held their own. Four out of five runnings have been won by the U.S., so don't expect necessarily a European domination. I'm going to go with number 11 slider in here for John Sadler. One for one on the turf. It looks like this horse from the 11 post is going to get a very nice trip, stalking the speed. Uh, Hector Berrios, that will be interesting to see um, him get a good shot on a Breeders' Cup horse. But, you know, like many of the Friday races, I think I could handicap this 12 times and come up with 12 different horses. So these are some very challenging races. Yeah, it's wide open and I'm going to be quick because I think we we allotted two minutes per race. So I believe No Name Metz is the horse to beat. He's seemingly got it all. He's speed. He's drawn down towards the inside. Is that is that who you like too, Randy? Is he going to carry the pair of us? Oh, my God. I'm not sure he can. So That's no all name a lot of weight. For George Weaver with Irad Ortiz. But I am throwing in big Evs in here. That is the four Tom Marquand riding for... Mick Appleby, this horse has looked terrific on the racetrack. He borrowed somebody's bell to practice because we break with the bell over here and just to get him used to it. He's been leaving the gates like a rocket. So I'm going to put Big Evs on there as well. So Big Evs, uh, the Europeans are all raving about him. He's an extremely fast-breaking horse. He's a one-dimensional speed horse. He has to have the lead. But No Name Mets also breaks extremely quickly if you watch his races. He's a one-dimensional speed horse. He's drawn to the inside of Big Evs. I think, as Bill pointed out, American speed 
in these sprints on the turf, typically or the dirt, typically trumps European speed. And I've been really impressed with No Name Mets most recent races. His last start at Colonial is kind of a key race. The horse that ran third in there, Air Recruit, who was beaten seven lengths, came back and won a stakes race very impressively in his next start. He's in the juvenile turf. So I think they can duel. And I think maybe even no-name Mets can outrun Big Evs early. And since it's just five furlongs, I think no-name Mets will have enough to uh, to last and win it. I think that Big Evs does not need the lead. I, I don't think he's going to be quick enough. He's just been quicker than the rest in England. I think him sitting second will be okay. All right, we move along now to the next race on the card, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Zoe, Randy, any reason to go against Tamara? I see no reason whatsoever. Uh, I believe all the hype, the, the breeding, everybody's in love with the fact that she's the daughter of Beholder. She looked tremendous in the Del Mar debutante for trainer Dick Mandela. She will likely be the shortest price favorite, not just on the Friday card, but on the entire Breeders' Cup uh, card. Uh, from a gambling standpoint, if you don't want to take three to five on her, you got to get a little bit creative. Um, I would like a chalky exacta, I guess, candied coming off a win in the Alcibiades for Todd Pletcher looks pretty tough to me. But not only is this, I think, the most likely winner of the Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday, this is usually it's, you know, you get excited for the older horse races. I'm really excited to watch her run because, you know, if she goes out and wins this by six or seven lengths, I mean, we're talking, we already know she's special, but we might be talking about something extra special after Friday's race. Listen, there's a lot of hype. She's done nothing wrong, but she hasn't gone two turns yet. She's not an overly big filly. And I, I'm just a little bit concerned. Is she maybe the best horse in the race? Yes, but I'm looking for a bit of a price. I love just FYI. I don't care. She's got a break from the parking lot. We saw half bridled do it with Dick Mandela. This filly, if she stands next to Tamara, you're not going to see Tamara. I'm sorry, Tamara. She looks like an absolute two-turn monster. I was in the paddock for her maiden race when she won at Saratoga. And I'm like, there's no way she can win going six furlongs. And she did it because she's a good filly. She came back to win going a mile at Aqueduct. She's filled out. She's grown up. I love just FYI. If I can get close to eight to one, I'm going to take it. And I'm, I'm rooting for Tamara. Dick Mandela needs some good juju headed his way. And just, just FYI, along with the other Belmont horses, has been training sensationally here at Santa Anita. But, but look, I, I just think Tamara might be in a different class from these other horses. I know she's going to be three to five. I think if you take Tamara and you box her with just FYI and Candy, you might possibly – you know, get an upset there and, and, and get a decent price. But to me, it's a three-horse race only. Correct. All right. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf is next. Chad Brown has won this five times. I guess that's not much of a surprise considering um, Chad Brown's prowess with the Phillies on the grass. He has hard to justify in here. Another daughter, obviously, of justify at six to one in the morning line. This was an interesting race. And and, and from a betting standpoint, I thought was fairly wide open. Um, I, I think you can easily, you know, try to look for a six, seven, eight to one shot in here uh, that could spring the upset. Um, I would think that the Europeans would have an edge here, but we'll find out. Um, I'm going to go with number nine, Carla's Way, trained by Simon Crisford, ridden by Jim. 
James Doyle, a European. Um, the horse is just getting better every single start. And I think that um, because she's not an Aiden O'Brien, because she's not a Charlie Appleby, she's and she's not ridden by Ryan Moore, not ridden by Frankie DeTore, William Buick, she might be a little bit overlooked in here. I wouldn't like her as the three to one favorite or something like that. But six to one in the morning line off a nice commanding win in a group two last time out at Newmarket on September 29th. That'll be my pick in this race. Zoe? It's wide open as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I can make a case for the Europeans. If I'm going to pick one of the Europeans, it's going to be the six, Porta Fortuna, coming in for Donica O'Brien. This filly trained beautifully over the racetrack this morning. She comes in with a jock who knows how to ride these American tracks, and that is O'Sheen Murphy. And if I'm going for the Americans, the one that's really caught my eye training here this week is She Feels Pretty for Cherie DeVoe. She's a big, good-looking chestnut filly by Caraconte. Doesn't get the best of draws in post position number 11, but Johnny V, I think, will have her tactically placed where she's going to get a comfortable trip. And then you have Hard to Justify on the outside as well, post position number 12 for her, for Chad Brown. She's a nice filly as well, but... Maybe an edge to the Europeans, but as far as the Americans, I like She Feels Pretty. This wasn't the case last year, but typically on this Future Stars Friday, it's been the case that the Americans dominate the juvenile Phillies turf and the Europeans dominate, for whatever reason, the male version, the juvenile turf. Uh, I do think Porta Fortuna is the best of the Europeans. But to me, I've watched all the videos of the Europeans as well as the Americans, you know, the two most visually impressive wins, I thought, were She Feels Pretty at Woodbine and Buku winning the Jessamine Stakes at Keeneland. She Feels Pretty's four to one, didn't like the draw. Buku is six to one. I like her draw from post three. So I'm going to go for a bit of a price and take Buku uh, from well back in the pack to win it. Buku at six to one in the morning line. All right, now we go move on to the eighth race, Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Um, obviously a mile and a 16th on the dirt and, uh, an interesting field in here. You have a field of 11. And, uh, originally I was going to go with Prince of Monaco for Bob Baffert. Um, just, I, I like the fact that he beat Muth. And then Muth came back and looked so good winning in his next start uh, when he came back in the American Pharaoh. But I, I took a second look at this and he, I said, you know, what's wrong with number four, Timberlake? Uh, a winner of the Champagne Stakes. Brad Cox is the trainer. Uh, this horse is getting better with each start, getting better as being stretched out by Into Mischief. And last time out, the horse ran the best race of its career with blinkers off. Um, I love the way Brad Cox, uh, you know, gets horses good and they keep improving start after start after start. An interesting race, a tough race. Obviously, Baffert will be very, very tough with uh, Prince of Monaco, Wind Me Up and Muth. He's got three uh, very strong contenders in here. Um, so Timberlake will be my pick. And uh, if anybody wants to give me an opinion on fierceness, I'd like to hear that. Wins by 11, first time out in a maiden race and then gets beat 20 lengths in the Champagne Never in a million years, I think Todd Butcher would wheel him back here in the Breeders' Cup. But just the mere fact that he's doing so makes me believe that he feels the champagne is a complete throwout. I wouldn't overlook that horse fierceness at six to one in the morning line. I'll tell you why he's here. Rapoli. It's the Breeders' Cup. It's Rapoli. If you like him, I would just say draw a line through that race. He's looked terrific training here as he should. Todd's not going to bring a horse here with any problems. But for me, it's going to be Booth. 
I've just loved the way he's trained over this track here at Santa Anita. You can keep Prince of Monaco. I, I, I don't think he's the same horse that we saw in the summer. I love Muth. He'll get JJ Hernandez. He's managed to settle off, off of horses. His works have been terrific. It's between him and Locked. I believe those are the two that you need going forward, and they've both come out of the best races, especially Locked. So here's the story on fierceness, Bill. In the Champagne, he obviously caught a very sloppy racetrack, which he had never been on before, clearly. He was pinballed around a little bit, leaving the starting gate, bumped in a couple of different spots. Then he was sort of squeezed back a little bit, about an eighth of a mile out, so he finds himself behind horses. They steered him to the outside. He made a run to the quarter pole and then pitched it, and it bothered Todd Pletcher. But he said the horse has come back to train so sensationally that he had to give him a chance to run in the Breeders' Cup because he looks just as good as he looked before he had that huge maiden win at Saratoga. What that means for me, the horse has an outside draw, fierceness. The horse has speed. They're probably going to have to use it. So I think Prince of Monaco probably has to go to the lead from post position number two, especially since Muth showed a different dimension last time stalking. And I think fierceness and Prince of Monaco kind of hook up during the early part of the race. I think it's going to guarantee an honest pace. And I really like Locked in there. Look, Locked had a terrible trip in the Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland, and he won anyway and got a good number anyway. So I think this race belongs to Locked uh, to win or lose. He's got legs for days, Randy. He looks like a supermodel. He is a tall, leggy guy. Looked really good out here. All right, the final race on Friday is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. One mile, Randy, as you said, that this is one where the Europeans have done very well. Um, I'm not going to go too far out on a limb here. I'm going to let Aiden O'Brien guide me in this race. He's got three horses in here, and he's putting his main man, Ryan Moore, on the two River Tiber, uh, where unquestionable would be ridden by Frankie DeTore. Now, obviously, not a problem that Frankie DeTore is riding this horse, but he is not the stable rider for Aiden O'Brien, and Ryan Moore is. Um, this is a horse coming off a nice finish last time out in the Middle Park Stakes. Before that, the pre-Mornay hasn't quite been getting it done at the Group 1 level, won a Group 2 before that, but is coming out of, of two of the biggest uh, two-year-old races uh, in all of Europe. I don't think the Americans are very strong here at all. Uh, you know, all the figures, Randy, are mainly like in the, your buyer figures in the 70s, that sort of thing. So I, I would think that this race is, is really ripe for a European to win. And uh, let's see, you don't have many. Is is uh, is Aiden the only one with a? Uh, yeah, all three. Of your, there's only three Europeans in here, and they are all Aiden O'Brien. Um, I would love to give Carson's run a chance, not just because he's a good horse, but because again, it's that great story of the young man that has the same disability as the young man that Cody's Wish was named by. But I can't take a horse from the 14 post going a mile in Santa Anita. I'm with you with River Tiber, and the thing that I really like about him is that he's not one of those, oh, let's pull an audible and go to Santa Anita. He's been pointed for this race specifically. He didn't have a race two weeks ago. He didn't have a race a week ago. This was the race they've been targeting for here. Aiden's Army came out here on the racetrack this morning, and there were about a dozen horses. He was in amongst them and handled everything superbly, didn't get hot. He's got carrying good flesh on him. He looks terrific, and you're getting the services of Ryan Moore. So I like River Tiber in here. I'm going to throw you a long shot that you'll be like, who? Stay hot for trainer Peter Erton. 
He's a son of Summerfront. He ran in this race in 2014. He's ridden by Freysu. Said one start going two turns on the turf, and it was very, very good indeed. Now, he did just break his maiden. He's 20 to 1 in the morning line, and he has trained incredibly. Do not stay off of Stay Hot. All right. I like a cold 2-9 exacta. Rupert Tiber over endlessly. I think visually, endlessly is uh, the most impressive of the Americans in this race. And look, I like River Tiber as much or more than I like Tamara in the juvenile wow. Phillies. Um, back in June, Aiden O'Brien thought that River Tiber could be his best two-year-old, right? He won his first three starts. He lost his last two. The horse that he was beaten by in his last two starts is a horse called Van Deek, who might be the best two-year-old sprinter at Simon Crisford's in Europe. And River Tiber had excuses for both of those races. He was not 100% for either one of those. Now he's come back. They worked him with Unquestionable at Ballydoyle before they brought him over here to Santa Anita. He destroyed Unquestionable in a workout at Ballydoyle. This horse is clicking on all cylinders right now. He has a great post for this race. So I like River Tiber over endlessly cold 2-9 exact. Do want to remind you that the TDN Writers Room is brought to you, as always, by Keeneland. Keeneland closed out their full race meet on Saturday with $201.7 million in all source wagering. That's a lot. That's the second highest full meet handle and the fourth highest handle in Keeneland history. We now look ahead to the Keeneland November breeding stock sale, which starts next Wednesday, November the 8th. Plenty of time to fly from Santa Anita back to Lexington, Kentucky, and there are plenty updates worth checking out, like Technical Alanis, who just won the Athenia Stakes over the weekend. She will sell during book one, as well as some late additions, like Lemon Bell, the dam of grade three winner, Ray's Kane. He's in good form right now. There are many, many more. Do check out Keeneland, and we'll be right back after this message from Keeneland. At Keeneland, a horse will always be measured in hands. Hands that see, that sense, that speak. Hands that hold our sport to a higher standard. Not for our sake, but for theirs. For the love of the horse. For generations to come. In this week's edition of First Things First, well, I'm at Santa Anita, so why don't we take a look at a lot of the Breeders' Cup contenders working out over Santa Anita's main track, the training track, and the turf course. I also managed to catch up with Frankie Dottori. In fact, I got so close I literally took the boots off him, and it's for a good cause. All right, we're back. Frankie's back. I literally just took the boots off him. You can see he's in his slippers. This is for charity for the TCA. But more importantly, Frankie, we are delighted to have you back. Can I have the boots back? No, I'm joking. I got, I got a new pair anyway. Anyway, this is going to go for a good cause, and I'm pleased to be back. So uh, come and watch us. Thank you. Delighted to have him back. Thank you, many thanks to everybody I've bugged all week long. And many thanks to Frankie Dottori. You can actually go online to the TCA and bid for those boots. And yes, I literally took them off his feet. 
They are well worth bidding for. I do want to remind you that racing does continue on Thursday at Santa Anita, and we'll have closing day on Sunday. It's not all over after the Breeders' Cup. Closing day on Sunday here at the Great Race Place. Guys. All right, so let's pick things up with the Saturday card, which we begin with the Big Ass Fans Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Randy, are you allowed to say ass on, on NBC? What's, what's the rule <laughs> for that? Oh, it's always been big fans. They never want big us to fans. say big ass fans. I don't know if NBC has kind of come off that a little bit. It's only been like five or six years now that Big Ass Fans is nominated. So I voted for big ass fans, but we'll see. All right. You know, it's kind of in this day and age. Come on, guys, lighten up. Call yeah. it a big ass fan. You know, exactly. All right. All right. So I'm going to be Scrooge here and I'm going to pick against Cody's wish. And I'm going to pick against him for the same reason I didn't like him last year, even though he won. He is not a two turn horse. He is one for four around two turns. The one win coming in this race last year. I think the reason why he was able to win last year and put, very well could win again this year is because he's just maybe better than these horses and is able to get it, the job done at something that is not his specialty. But uh, as the favorite, I can't take him. Um, so if you don't like him, I think the horse that you do like is Zozo's for uh, Brad Cox. And, you know, here's a horse uh, on the other end of the spectrum, loves to go to the mile, three for three. He's a legitimate two-turn horse, whereas Cody's wish isn't. Now, granted, his wins in grade threes and whatnot don't really stack up to what Cody's wish has been doing um, uh, class-wise. But, um, you know, I, I just can't take Cody's wish as the favorite, doing something that I think is still and I said the exact same thing last year, and I was dead wrong. But I'm willing to say it again this year. Is outside his comfort zone. So I'm a Brad Cox fan. Zozos in the Breeders' Cup. Big ass fans. Dirt Mile. There you go. So I was prepared to pick against Cody's Wish. Uh, the horse that I was going to pick was Practical Move. And as anyone knows now who's watching this, uh, Practical Move uh, tragically uh, had a heart attack this morning as we taped this on Tuesday morning on the racetrack at Santa Anita. Uh, so he was the only horse in there, really, that I thought was capable of beating Cody's Wish. I like Zozos. I love Brad Cox. I just think they're two different kinds of horses. I think Charge It on his best race could conceivably beat Cody's Wish. But Charge It is so enigmatic. He has to have things exactly his way. No kickback at all during the running of a race before Charge It is really going to fire his best. Uh, National Treasure, I just don't think he's quite fast enough, you know. So, look, I didn't like the way Cody's Wish won his last race in the in, uh, his last time out uh, in the Vosburg. But I still think that he is head and shoulders the best horse in here. So I'm not going to try to get too creative. I'm going to copy and paste exactly what Randy said. It's going to be Cody's wish for me. My heart goes out to Tim, Yakteen, and Millie and their whole team with Practical Move. That was devastating this morning. So really thinking of them, Cody's wish is going to be the horse to beat in here for me. But I am throwing in a long shot in here. And, uh, hey, sometimes he can just throw one down, and that's Skippy Longstocking. Coming off a win at Charlestown. Now, there's a handicapping angle that I'm pretty sure no one else is going to use. Have we ever had a Breeders' Cup winner come out of Charlestown, Randy, Mr. Deep Dive? Couldn't possibly have, right? 
I have no idea, Bill. I haven't, I haven't dove that deeply into uh, oh, Charlestown. Okay. No. Boy, I didn't think I could stump you on anything. There you go. But my, well, you just did. That was a pretty, that was a pretty obscure hey, question. Nobody likes National Treasure. No. Freakness winner. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Baffert. Yes. Uh, I mean, beat a weak field in the Preakness and has done absolutely nothing and got with a perfect trip and has done nothing since. OK. All right. So we move along now to the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mayor Turf. I've picked in Italian in, in just about every race she's ever run in, including this race last year. But a mile and a quarter, I don't think so. Um, I was disappointed in her last time out in the First Lady. She ran well in this race last year uh, to get beat a length, and it was a mile three sixteenths. So she's got to go another sixteenth of a mile. So I think you have to go look at the Europeans in here. And there's two that look very good. One is Inspirol for John Gosden, and the other is Warm Heart for Aiden O'Brien. Uh, both are coming off Group 1 wins. Matter of fact, both have won two Group 1s in a row. Um, I, I have a hard time separating them, but I'm going to go with Inspiral. And I just think that she is right now in razor sharp form. It looks like her last couple races, last time out with Frankie aboard, she wins the Sun Chariot Stakes at Newmarket, uh, you know, wins it by three and three quarter lengths. Now, here's the other interesting thing about her is that she's a miler. And why is she in this race rather than the, the, the mile at this race at a mile and a quarter? Well, you know what? If John Gosden thinks this is the right race for her, who am I to argue with John Gosden? He's one of the great, greatest of all time. So I, I like the John Gosden angle. I like the fact that she's in great form. But uh, if she gets beat by the other top European in here, Warm Heart, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. So in Spiral wins the Sun Chariot Stakes last time out at a mile at Newmarket. She wins by three and three quarters lengths, which is like the equivalent of a 10 length win in America because they only run the last quarter of a mile in Europe. And visually, she looked even better than that. I mean, she exploded on the inside when she got a seam in there. Uh, so I think it's going to be very tough to beat Inspiral in here. The difference between Inspiral and Warm Heart, Inspiral is stepping up from a mile. Warm Heart is coming down from a mile and a half. They're both two very good fillies. But I'll say this, Bill, you're picking now to get off of in Italian? Look, <laughs> this was an ins- this was an, ins- an inspired choice by Chad Brown to go for this mile and a quarter as a, as a, and run Gina Romanica in the mile as right. opposed to vice versa. Yes, it's a mile and a quarter compared to a mile and three sixteenths, but don't forget it's downhill, the first part of it. And there is absolutely no other speed in this race. So Anne Italian is going to have an even easier lead this year than she had last year. And she is going to be a very tough customer, I think, even for Inspiral and Warm Heart to run down in the last part of this race. You may be ruining the fact that you finally got off of Anne Italian in here. Well- if you pick her twice in a row at two to five and she loses both times, then it's just logical for you to say, um, I'm signing the divorce papers, ready to move on. I, I mean, I love her. She's a great filly. But uh, <laughs> for those reasons, I guess I'm using my heart a little bit more than my brain in there. And um, uh, but, you know, no, she'll, she'll run a good race. But, boy, if we're a mile and eighth, Randy, I'd pick her. But a mile and a quarter. Just seems to be a tad outside her range, but uh, but it, but you make a good point. I mean, Chad Brown, the, the way he uh, maneuvered these two fillies does say a lot about his confidence 
about her. I thought for sure she'd be in the mile and Gina Romanica would be in this. And so did I. Other, so other, did I. But- other way around. But that's not how it worked out. All right. So now we go hey, to where are Zoe, oh, Zoe, sorry, Zoe, 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 yes. You're going to be spitting bricks when you take a look at an Italian. I've never seen dapples on her like they look right now. She looks terrific. She's blossom. Either that or she's ready for the breeding shed. I'm not sure which, but I've never seen her looking like she looks here right now. I saw her trotting off the track at about 9.30, and she looks as good as I've ever seen her. Maybe all she needed was Bill to get off of her. So uh, I Maybe. Think- I think that may be the key with her. As far as the mile and a quarter, it's downhill. You need to run up and down this turf course if you ever come out here, and then you'll you'll realize a mile and a quarter is not a big deal. Inspiral is definitely the one to beat. Uh, John Gosden knows exactly what it takes to win this race. Cheatley Park knows exactly what it takes. Frankie Dettori, he won in these silks twice before. Um, the Cheatley Park silks, it's Inspiral for me. I can't talk you off of in Italian. I will throw a long shot in here who has won over this track going a mile and a quarter and has trained brilliantly. You know how sometimes you turn your head and you keep catching the same horse every day? It's Didier. The same, every day I see her and I have to look twice. She's number 401. I'm like, who's that? She looks really good. It's Didier. Who's that? It's Didier. Every day I've caught her, she is going to outrun those odds. And I think she's going to get bet down with Chaminade aboard. Fifth race on Saturday's card is the Philly and Mayor Sprint. Uh, Randy, on buyer numbers, this is an absolutely two-horse race. Good night, Olive and Society. I mean, they're the only two that are capable of throwing in those huge numbers um, uh, with Echo Zula. Now, we don't, we never did quite know which race Echo Zula was going to go in, but um, had she have gone in this race um, instead of the, the sprint for males, um, obviously she would have been a huge contender. Um if society shows up and runs her very best race, she could beat Goodnight Olive. But I think if you look at the two of them, I know that Goodnight Olive is going to show up. She runs a race every single time. And it's remarkable that last time out, she ran a career best buyer of 108 and got beat by two and a half lengths, which goes to tell you how good Echo Zulu was before she got injured. Um, she loves the distance. She's six for eight. Um, she wins this race last year off a similar pattern where she comes in off the ballerina. Um, society's a hard horse to figure. I mean, remember how uh, everybody was just raving about her after she won the cotillion last year at Parks? And then she ran, uh, runs one, two, three real stinkers in a row and then gets good again. But her good was in the grade three at Ellis Park in Chicago. And Randy, you really might have to check into this because her last race was at Charlestown. <laughs> so on Saturday, all listeners are going to want to know, hey, Randy, has a horse ever come out of Charlestown to win the Breeders? We got another one. But right. um, the pink ribbon stake, she gets a 106 buyer. But um, she's just, you know, she's just too inconsistent for me. So good night, Olive. Um, and we'll be a, a, a strong favorite. But that's where I'll go. Bill, watch NBC on Saturday, and you will have your answer about I'm Charlestown. Sure you will. will, you will, you will hear it from me, right? As, yeah, I will go down that rabbit hole, take that deep dive. Uh, it is a two horse race on paper, and I think it's a two horse race. Uh, it will be a two horse race in the flesh. The thing with society, it's pretty clear, I think, is when she's in against horses that she's superior to, she's she's the bully. She beats them down. She opens up. She looks tremendous. She runs huge numbers. 
when she's in against horses where she really has to, you know, has to really double down. And then she kind of tends to throw in the towel. Uh, but she's training exceptionally well here at Santa Anita. So I'm expecting her to run a good race. Good night, Olive will not run her 108 by her speed figure that she ran in the ballerina. She got a beautiful trip sitting just outside of Echo Zulu. It was like a match race all the way around. Uh, you know, perfectly sanitary trip. Now she gets the worst of the draw in post position number one, going seven furlongs. Always a bad draw. But what I'm expecting is clearly unhinged and Ida and maybe some other horses to stretch out the race early and provide enough room for Irene Ortiz to maneuver Goodnight Olive off the inside. And look, there's only one female race horse in America that's as fast as Goodnight Olive going short distances, and that was Echo Zulu. And unfortunately, she won't be uh, participating. So Goodnight Olive is, uh, I think, a clear winner here. Good night, Olive. For me, I, I do like society. My only question is, she's so sharp right now. When she worked the other morning in 37, it was, it was like Carlos was trying to hold an elephant from water. She may just be a little bit too sharp. She does get a good draw on the outside. I'd be more concerned about her if she was drawn inside. I think he can just float her out, maybe just layer off some horses. But they're going to be going quick up front. Seven furlongs over this track is testing. Good night, Olive. She can sit wherever. She's going to be sitting in the catbird seat. It's her race to lose for sure. Kirsten Bosch will probably clunk up and get a piece of it late. She's a filly who always runs good, and she's way better around one turn. So I might expect her to pick up the pieces. Oh. Maybe third. Maybe she could be second. I'm not sure, but she's coming into it the right way. That's an inspired exacto right there. That's good. Right? I like that. Right. Yeah. Breeder Cup Mile is next on the card. And I'm going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. We had this long discussion about in Italian versus Gina Romanica. I'm going to take Gina Romanica here after I talked about why I wouldn't take in Italian in the mile. She's kind of, a, at least from a buyer standpoint, Randy, she's a one race wonder. At 105 last time out in the first lady kind of came out of middle of nowhere where she ran down stable mate in Italian. But the fact that, that Chad Brown uh, is looked at this horse and figured that this is the right spot for her going a mile again, makes me think that he knows that that mile distance just is the perfect distance for her. Uh, you got to worry about the Europeans in here. Casa Creed's a terrific horse. You've got um, some, you know, when you've got Master of the Seas, uh, who is the, uh, you know, Charlie Appleby, Godolphin giant uh, of the race. But again, and, and, you know, Zoe, help me out with this after, uh, when you get your chance, how bad a post is post 14 going a mile on the turf at Santa Anita? I, oh. I mean, yeah, I can't take, I, as good as Master of the Seas is, I can't take him from the 14 post. Yeah, it's it's horrible. He's going to have to drop in. And that's what he does anyway. Um, yeah, it's it's horrible. He did look good working over the, the tracks. So if you're worried about how he's handling it, no problem whatsoever. They took him and gave him a, a spin over the turf course pretty much the day he got here. But post position 14 is very, very tough. He's going to have to get a Hall of Fame ride from Bill Buick. Who do you like? Oh, I like. I wasn't really into Songline because all I've seen her do is hobby horse around here. But they actually let her stretch her legs a little bit because she looked pokey to me, just cantering as slow as like I can walk faster than she's been cantering. 
But once she stretched her legs a little bit today, I really liked how she looked. And that was over the dirt, over the dirt today. So I'm going to take Son Lion in there. I like Morge. I can't quite understand the seven furlong drill on the dirt that she had here because she looked horrible. But she's trained very well since. She's not a dirt horse. She looked like a turf horse working on the dirt. But who am I to argue with Saeed? So I like her as well. And I've got to use Casa Creed. I keep telling you horses look good and they're supposed to look good. But he always shows up. So if you like Songline in the flesh, uh, if you go back and watch the videos of her last two races, you'll like her even more. Uh, as you talk about a horse with a devastating closing kick. Okay. But having said that, uh, I'm going for the 12 to 1 on Gina Romanica. Uh, I'm, with, I'm with Bill here. But for a, a little different reason. Now, look, the reason why Gina Romanica, in my opinion, is in the mile is not because Chad has more confidence in her at a mile. It's because in Italian, with the downhill part of the mile and a quarter and the lack of speed in the Philly and Mayor turf and the super firm turf that in Italian is going to get to help her stretch out, I think he felt like her best chance was at a mile and a quarter. And Peter Brandt don't, doesn't want to run his two fillies against each other. So they just leave Gina Romanica at the one-mile distance she won at last time. But look, horse racing is about getting from point A to point B faster than the other horses. And the way you measure how fast horses get from point A to point B is by the clock. And Gina Romanica at Keeneland the same day with very comparable pace setups, okay, ran approximately a half a second faster than up to the mark and master of the seas. Her final quarter mile was faster than up to the marks. It And yes, the race seems like it came out of nowhere on paper, but she had some excuses earlier in her races. She was quickly improving. Chad told Peter Brandt, he said, I'm telling you, she can beat an Italian. She is a Breeders' Cup level horse. We need to give her this opportunity. Uh, and so I think at a price, uh, I like Gina Romanica hooked up in exotics with Songline and Kalina, the other filly from France. TD Riders Room brought to you as always by the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association. Two Pennsylvania breads will be competing at this Breeders' Cup. Of course, you know about Caravelle, the defending champ in the turf sprint. Same race, Roses for Deborah, the improving filly. Takes on the boys as well. More on her later. Last weekend at Belmont at Aqueduct, there was a Pennsylvania bred double. Erdenheim Farms homebred Jamestown broke his maiden. And then the Blackstone Farm bred filly, You Look Cold, won later in the day for trainer Belmont. And don't forget, another reminder, the last leg, December 27th, the PA Sired PA Bread Stallion Series coming up at Parks. $200,000 races, both at a mile and 70 yards, two-year-old Colts, two-year-old Phillies. Check out the pabread.com website to make sure your two-year-old is nominated. And if you have any questions, you can email them at info at pabread.com. PA Bread, I think we've built a, a brand at this point. The state of Pennsylvania has the best breeders program in the entire United States. Angel of Empire wins the Arkansas Derby and wins it clear. Caravelle in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Pennsylvania and the PHBA have the best state-bred program in the country, bar none. The best Breeders' Awards and Stallion Awards in the country. 
TD and Riders Room, brought to you by the Fast Sires at Windstar Farm, the sponsors every week of the Fastest Horse of the Week. This week, we're going to spotlight again Nashville, the track record-setting son of Spitestown. Three years ago on the Breeders' Cup undercard, remember the Perryville Stakes at Keeneland, when Nashville ran faster than the Breeders' Cup sprint by nearly a full second, going six furlongs and 107.89. He was kind of his own stallion advertisement in that race. And he had some other great races as well at the fairgrounds, the fastest sprint of the fairgrounds, winter meet when he broke his maiden at Saratoga, TDN Rising Star, 11 and a half length win. He's by Sire of Sires, Spitestown, the first foals of Nashville expected to hit the ground next year or will hit the ground in 2024. Nashville stand stud at Windstar Farm. Fastest horse of the week, one on Sunday, Belmont at Aqueduct in the Hudson Stakes for New York Reds. Rotney turned the tables on New York traffic with a very impressive win, earning a buyer speed figure of 100. Rotney trained by Mike Maker. Jose Lescano blamed himself for Rotney's most recent defeat at the hands of New York traffic. So he turned the tables on that rival and did it in stylish fashion. Rotney, New York bred, Hudson Stakes, last week's fastest horse of the week. As always, the TDN Riders Room is sponsored by the Green Group, which brings you our weekly Green Group Guest of the Week, the Green Group, a tax consulting and advisory firm specializing in the thoroughbred racing and breeding industry and specializing, of course, in saving you money on your taxes. For more information, you can email the Green Group or go to the website. That's even better at www.greenco.com. And we welcome in now the Green Group Guest of the Week. Owner George Krikorian has two major contenders in the Breeders' Cup, just FYI in the juvenile fillies, and that remarkable older mayor, warlike goddess in the Breeders' Cup turf. George, thanks for joining us. And let's go back to the day at Belmont at Aqueduct on October 7th, when both of them won grade one races. Uh, the Frizette uh, was won by just FYI, and then Warlike Goddess won the Joe Hirsch Invitational. You've been a good owner with a lot of good horses for a long time. So far, was that the best day of your owning career? Uh, absolutely. Winning uh, two grade one races in 30 minutes is pretty special. Well, you've obviously had a lot of success in the thoroughbred business, Mr. Kikori. I mean, you haven't won a Breeders' Cup race yet, but I mean... You've been involved in the Breeders' Cup before plenty of times. You've had Warlike Goddess, two and a half million, a Hollywood Story, a million, Star, a million, Mucho Unusual, almost a million. So what is it like now to be here at Santa Anita with two horses like this that are front and center in their races? Well, I'm pretty excited to, to, be, to, to be here and have this opportunity and having two horses. It's the first time that's happened for me, so... It's, it's, it's going to be a pretty special uh, weekend. George, before I jump in, just thanks so much for being here. We're delighted to have you here. I know it was a bit of a pain going back to the hotel and running all over the place, but let's lead off with Warlike Goddess. And I just saw Donato Lani over my so yeah. shoulder, and he's the one that was responsible for purchasing her for 30000 When you got her many moons ago for 30000 be your thoughts? Did you think, oh, well, you know, I might be at Breeders' Cup in 2023. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, how did you gauge her progress over the years? Well, you know, you have to give uh, kudos to Donato Lanny because, you know, he called me one day and said, I've got the, I've seen this horse and she should not be in this sale that she's in. 
and she's going to be overlooked. And he said, I, I he said, I, I see in the future in the future that she could be a very special horse. And he said, I know that you you don't mind taking the time it takes for a horse to develop. And um, and so that's exactly what we did. And we took our time. And just as he predicted, uh, she turned out to be an incredible horse. George, at the time, were you even aware that she sold for $1,200 as a weanling and RNA'd for $1,000? I mean, here she is in the Breeders' Cup turf, a grade one winner. And at the uh, yearling sales, nobody wanted her for $1,000. Were you even aware of that at the time? Uh, yes, Donato told me that you know that the horse had RNA'd and uh, you know and now and now was uh, uh, the horse would be selling for thirty or forty thousand dollars. He thought he could get it for, um, so I was aware of that. So I understand. I hear through the grapevine, George. You're a pretty good handicapper. So the post position draws didn't treat either of your horses particularly well. But Warlike Goddess, uh, now back against the boys again, uh, where she's had success in the past, mile and a half, tough Euros in there. How do you gauge her chances? Well, you know, we uh, when, at first when I saw we got the outside post, I was, I was a little concerned about it. And then more I thought about it, um, you know, if you're inside, you could, you could get into a lot of trouble and get stuck. I think actually being on the outside now is – might might actually work to our advantage because she'll get a chance to break out of the gate, find a good position, hopefully, and take take it from there. And what about the super firm turf you're likely to get at Santa Anita as opposed to the softish ground that she won on uh, at Aqueduct? I, I don't think that's going to be a factor. I think she'll, she should be fine either way. I'm not worried about the draw for her whatsoever. The outside is the best spot to be on coming down this hillside turf course. So for me, that is a big thumbs up. I've seen her in the morning. I watched her train in Saratoga, and she's tough. She goes in draw reins. They, they train her late in the morning. They got a special compensation to go out to the training track and train her the wrong way. So at six years old, she's as tough now as she was as a two-year-old. Well, what she's doing is she's dictating because she's the one that uh, sets up her own morning schedule. They do, they do, they give her exactly what she wants. Okay, she's a princess. So can I say she's a typical woman because I am a typical woman. She's been acting like a typical woman. I think I'm allowed to say that, right? They, they get, they just everybody in the barn and the in the in the team that Bill Mott has is, is incredible, um, but they just give her everything she, she asked for. I know they, I know Bill was going to body clip her and he asked me, but I was too busy. And then he said, well, actually, you might not want to because she's very tough and she's a bit of a madam. So I think I might yeah. dodge the bullet. Yeah. Uh, George, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, you have to go up against uh, the horse that most people think will be the heaviest favorite in the entire sequence of Breeders' Cup races in Tamara who uh, is the uh, daughter, of course, of Beholder. Uh, just FYI, two for two, nothing wrong with her form. But it, again, Randy said you're a good handicapper, so handicap that race. Can just FYI step it up enough to beat Tamara? Well, I know Tamara is going to be a very, very tough, tough horse. And, you know, the bottom line is you're, you're challenged by every horse that's in the race. And um, I think that... Uh, 
just FYI has shown to be an incredibly talented horse, and I think that she's going to be a very tough competitor in that race. All right, George, we talked about the purchase of Warlike Goddess for $30,000. Uh, on the topic of just FYI, uh, let's go back to 1999 when you bought another filly for $35,000 by the name of Starrer, who wound up making a million dollars, who ran in the Breeders' Cup twice, and is now the grand dam of just FYI. So you're the breeder as well as the owner. How special is that to have that background, that connection with just FYI? To me, there's, there's no greater experience than having a horse that you bred turn out to become a graded stakes winner. I mean, that's um, for me, that's a, that, that gives me more pleasure uh, than, than anything else. That's super cool. I want to know who is the genius who came up with the anagram for the name, just FYI, because I can't believe that no one else thought of it, and it is absolutely brilliant. I was just sitting there one night uh, drinking a glass of wine, uh, looking through a list of names that you know, I thought might fit uh, just FYI, and I thought, why not just, just FYI? So that's how, that's how we came up with the name. It's absolutely genius. Oh, and some of the best names in horse racing history, George, have come as a result of adult beverages. So that's a good uh, <laughs> that's a good choice. Uh, George, tell us a little bit about your background. Your father was a trainer. You grew up in Salem, New Hampshire, just outside Rockingham Park. Um, having grown up in New Hampshire, I hope you're a Red Sox fan. Um, but, uh, you know, how did this all begin? Um well, yes, I grew up about a mile from Rockingham Park. My dad, my dad was a was a, was a trainer, um, and uh, as a kid, I would hang around outside the gates. I couldn't get into the track, and I'd try to uh, get people's programs and resell them to people, you know, coming into the track. And and then, you know, from there, I got to do uh, work at the track doing all kinds of different things. I worked for Harry Stevens, you know, concessions and uh, mm -hmm. doing that. And uh, I would, and I would work on the backside, uh, walk horses in the morning and, and, and the, those kinds of chores. So that, that's how we got started. And, and as you know, in new England, unfortunately there, there's no racing anymore, uh, but they used to have all these great, Great tracks, you know, with Suffolk Downs and Rockingham, and and the tracks in, in Rhode Island, Narragansett, and so so forth. And that's sad to see that they're all gone now. And how did you wind up in the movie theater business? Just uh, just by accident, um, I just happened to be uh, walking through a mall uh, near my home in uh, in uh, Southern California here, and. Um, I had taken my daughter to to shopping. Uh, she needed something for school, and as I was walking around, there was this whole level <clears throat> in the mall that it was, it's only been open for two years, but all the stores had closed on this level, so they had gone out of business. And as I walked through, I thought, "We don't have a theater in the in, in our community. It might, it might be a good idea if we had a movie theater here." And I took it upon myself to go talked to the mall manager the following Monday and uh, said, I'd like to see if I could put a theater here. And uh, he said, well, how many do you have now? What circuit are you with? I said, oh, I don't have no, have no experience. 
<laughs> and so how many movie the- how many movie theaters did that lead to? Uh, over the years, uh, I, th- I think I built maybe um, close to th- 30 complexes, so probably over 300 uh, sc- you know, screens uh, over the years. So, Wow. Wow. So what do you do now in your free time, George? I don't have any free time. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I have to I have to keep working because I have to feed all these horses. <laughs> We've well, heard I, that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe if you go two for two in the Breeders' Cup, George, you won't have to worry about that anymore. You can uh, yeah. find some free time because you're running for a lot of money with two very, very good horses. Well, George, yeah. thanks. So, you didn't ask my question, though. Are you a Red Sox fan? Oh, absolutely. And Thank I'll, you. There you go. Sometime I'll, I'll tell you a story I ran into Ted Williams once and we had an argument. Really? Well, I'm not going to hear that story now. Yes. Well, we don't want to tell you that now, but. Oh, I, it might take too much time. You know, he could be famously he could be famously cranky from what uh, from what his reputation is or was. Yes, yeah. So uh, we we had, we had uh, gone with my cousin to. I used to go to a lot of the Red Sox games when I was a kid, and um, and my cousin was we always wanted to get everybody's autograph, and he couldn't get Ted Williams' autograph. And um, and we found out that after the games, and uh, he, he not like all the other players that would walk to the hotel, he would drive a car to the back of the hotel and get out and go in through the kitchen to avoid, uh, you know, having to uh, run into uh, all the people. And so uh, we went, ran behind the hotel when we found out what his routine was and sure enough that day they lost the game and he comes flying in in this uh, uh, blue uh, Ford Fairlane uh, into the parking garage, slams the door, starts walking quickly across the street to go into the kitchen and my cousin runs up to him and asks for an autograph and he said, kid, if you want my autograph, you need to come to the game. My cousin starts crying because he said, well, we, we've been, I've done that many times and I can never get your autograph, you know. And he said, because you're not there. So Ted Williams wouldn't give him the autograph. I turned around to Ted Williams and I told my cousin, to my cousin and I said, that's okay. He's just a cheap bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he, started, he started chasing me. I was like 12 years old, 13 years old. And uh, he started chasing me, but then he turned around and went into the hotel. So, <laughs> And you still didn't get the autograph, did you? We did not. Did Years not. later, I got his autograph at a store. <laughs> right. Well, very good. Well, George, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Um, easy to root for you uh, as you're a Red Sox fan, and so am I. So uh, let's hope that you have a great Breeders' Cup, and uh, maybe we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks for being our guest this week okay. on the Green Group Guest of the Week segment. Yes, thank you. Thank you all very much. Have a great day. Good luck on picking yeah, on top. Yes, Just and thank you, for that, thank you for that warm and fuzzy Red Sox story. Bill really appreciates okay. that, especially. And as this week's Green Group Guest of the Week, Mr. George Krikorian of Warlike Goddess and just FYI Breeders' Cup fame this weekend, will receive a free one-hour tax consultation from Lynn Green et al. at the Green Group. For more information on how the Green Group can help you, again, that website is www.greenco.com.
Are you paying too much in taxes? The Green Group can help. There's a reason the most successful owners, breeders, and horsemen select the Green Group as their tax advisors. They save you money and share successful strategies. Over the past 40 years, the Green Group founder, Len Green, has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport, like Eclipse Award-winning champions Jaywalk and Wonderwheel. His DJ stable competes at the highest level and has received the game's most prestigious honors. Len Green's in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge, combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies, has produced positive results for his clientele and has made the Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the thoroughbred business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732-634-5100 or visit our website at www.greenco.com. The Green Group, proven strategies to save you taxes. With some of the fullest fields in the country and quality racing year-round, there's never been a better time to reap the rewards of breeding and racing in Kentucky. Purse money in Kentucky is at an all-time high, as is average purse per race, outpacing California, Florida, and New York. Kentucky Brats. Breed them. Raise them. Race them. We all win. The TDN Writers' Room is brought to you by the KTA and the KTOB. We're here for Breeders' Cup, so listen to this. Kentucky Breds have accounted for 240 Breeders' Cup victories, including 27 wins in the Breeders' Cup Classic. 27? Oh, my goodness. This year, 111 Kentucky Breds will be on stage at the Breeders' Cup, including 10 of 13 in the Classic. To highlight just one of the many globe-trotting Kentucky thoroughbreds performing this weekend at the Breeders' Cup, King of Steel was bred in Kentucky by Bon Chance Farm, campaigned by Ammo Racing. In his last start just two weeks ago, he defeated older horses in the Quipco Champion Stakes at and now returned to his home country to take on the Breeders' Cup turf. you got to take a look at this horse, guys. He is absolutely Massive and looked terrific out here training. We'll talk about his chances in just a minute, but here's, he's just one of the many Kentucky breads which will be on the main stage this weekend in the Breeders' Cup. All right, let's turn our attention to the second half of the Saturday card, starting off with race seven, which is the Breeders' Cup Distaff. And as I look at this, Handicapping 101, Adair Manor, idiomatic and randomized three major speed horses in this race, three very good ones. Doesn't it have to set up for a closer? One would think question is which closer is going to be the one that is going to get that kind of trip. And I'm going to, I picked Claire air last year. Uh, she ran her eyeballs out. I'm going to pick her again this year, despite the fact her last race was not good at all. And the personal incident out was in the slop. She got beat 17 lengths and change. Um, but uh, last year she came in off also uh, a pretty weak performance in the personal lens. And though she did have some problems at the gate that day and ran uh, very well in the Breeders' Cup distaff. Uh, Steve Asmussen, if he can have her right, and who better to have behind you than Steve Asmussen? If he can have her right, she's going to get the trip. Four to one in the morning line. I'm not really wild about that. I was hoping more about six, seven to one. And uh, Zoe, I've been reading that, that she's training very well. She really is. Um, I, you know, I don't know if she's as good now as she was maybe a couple of years ago, but her work over this track 
was terrific the other day. She's looked the part. The barn has been raving about her. So I like Claria. Do I like her on top? Uh, in the flesh, I've loved her all week. She looks like a cult going into this. I'm just concerned about idiomatic and her galloping style to go fast on the front end. Maybe her and Adair Manor are going to try and take each other out. I'm not really quite sure, but I, I do like idiomatic. I'll take a piece of Clarier. And after listening to Chad Brown talk me on to search results, I've got to use her as well. I've never heard him talk so highly about one of his horses than he did to me at the barn this morning about her. And that definitely piqued my interest in watching her physically on the racetrack. She always looks good but she might look just a little bit better. But I think it's Idiomatic's race to lose. Randy doesn't... Uh, so Bill, you... no, well, no, I, I think Idiomatic is a uh, fantastic horse. Uh, she's in good form right now, obviously. She's maybe the biggest horse at the Breeders' Cup. I don't know. But when you look at the pace scenario here, Bill ticked off all the speed horses. There's even another one, Bill, because before the draw, uh, Tom Amos was talking about that he thinks Hoosier Philly may be better on the early lead. So they put blinkers on Hoosier Philly for the distaff with the intent of showing speed and trying to get the lead. And then lo and behold, she draws post position number one. So now you got Hoosier Philly and Idiomatic and Adair Manor uh, and Randomized. You've got all this speed in here. And Idiomatic might wind up between horses in a speed duel. And she's had beautiful sanitary front-running trips in all of her recent races. She's the kind of horse you've got to try to take a shot against as a favorite. And so I like the exacta of, uh, of Clarier and search results. One way or the other, I'll put Clarier on top, uh, but I think it's going to come down to those two. Search results will get first run on Clarier. She'll be closer to the pace, and that might put her over the top. But look, if they run their best races, I think Clarier is a better horse. So that's why I'll put Clarier on top. Let's see which Clarier shows up in the distaff. All right, the Breeders' Cup turf is next. Uh, seven of the last eight runnings have been won by Europeans. I'm a big up-to-the-mark fan, uh, especially liked his race last time out in the Coolmore uh, turf mile at Keeneland. But I just still got to think that as good as he is, you got some very serious European horses uh, coming in here. And, uh, yeah, they surely, they're not bringing the, uh, JV in for the, these, th this race. So, um, Auguste Rodin, he throws in a clinker every, uh, so often, but who's to argue with a horse that's won the Irish champion stakes, the Irish Derby and the Epsom Derby? I mean, that is a mighty trifecta coming in for Ryan Moore and Aiden O'Brien. So, um, I will go with a European. And the one that I think is the best European of this bunch, Randy. Look, the Europeans totally kick ass in this race. And for good reason. They're, they're bred to go a mile and a half. American horses typically aren't. And they're bred to run on turf anyway. Uh, and this is the strongest European contingent that we've had in the Breeders' Cup turf in a long time. Between Auguste Rodin and Mostadov and King of Steel and Onesto. So if an American is going to beat those horses, I think it's going to have to be an American horse. Let's let's look at it from a buyer speed figure perspective, okay? It goes into the Breeders' Cup turf with like a 110 or a 112 or something like that. And for as impressive visually as up to the mark was when he won the Coolmore Turf Mile at Keeneland, I'll go back again to what I said about Gina Romanica. 
she ran a half a second faster than up to the mark did. Okay, we retimed the races. The times were accurate. So a 100 buyer speed figure is not going to cut it against Auguste Rodin. Am I expecting up to the mark to run better than that? Yes. But I don't, I don't think up to the mark on the evidence that we've seen, even though he's the best turf horse in America, in my opinion, is going to be as good as Auguste Rodin. It's, it's Aiden O'Brien and Coolmore for me. Wow. Both on August Rodin. I'm not, I can't trust him. I did see him out the track this morning. He got a little bit warm, but that's normal for him. I love Mustardaff. The fact that he skipped the champion stakes to come over here puts him firmly in my wheelhouse. Jim Crowley knows him very well. Frankie was just purely subbing for him last time out in the Jubmont International. They pulled an audible. They took him out of the champion stakes the morning of the race due to the softened ground. He loves to hear his feet rattle. I think he's going to absolutely fly in this race. I love Mostadaf in the mile. And um, who, oh, I just lost my peepees. Who else am I going to use in there with him? Uh, I mean, it, it's a really good race. I'll give you a long shot, Bolshoi Ballet. He's been a different horse than we saw him before. When he came over to Saratoga, didn't get hot, didn't get washy. Same thing here the other morning. He's a bit of a price at 15 to 1. Don't sleep on Bolshoi Ballet. King of Steel, saw him come out this morning. He's huge. He had a very, very tough race in the champion stakes, which he won. He had a really strong gallop around here and got very hot this morning. I'm just worried that he might be tipping over the edge. So I, I'd probably like to watch him train just a couple of more days and really make my mind up. He's big. They call him the police horse. He's massive. He physically trained very well, but almost a little bit too much on the bridle when horses are boiling over and had a lovely gallop around and got very hot. So it's Mustardaf for me, and you guys can beat me with August Rodin. We go now to the Breeders' Cup Classic. For the first time in the 40-year history of the Breeders' Cup will not be the last race on the card. NBC has got to uh, get off the air with horse racing to go to Big Ten football. Um, that's the world we live in where college football rules the day, unfortunate, but you can watch these races on FanDuel TV, um, the races after the two races after the classic, um, a lot of uh, news in and out of the classic. We all know that go rocket ride, uh, was injured early in the week, mage not doing well. They decided not to bring him in. And then this morning, Tuesday, Archangelo, they announced that he will not be running either, uh, as he has had some problems and they weren't getting him quite right for the race, uh, with, uh, Archangelo out Arabian night will be the favorite. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, I know uh, people have been, including our friend Zoe Cabin, have been raving about the way he's been training, but uh, is what kind of trip is he going to get in here to me with, um, uh, with, you know, he's got the three post. He's going to get, try to go to the front, but isn't Saudi crown going to be right on his just just within inches of him the whole way, trying to back him down and, and, and make sure that he doesn't get an easy lead. So I'm going to get a, little, a tiny bit weird here. 
I think bright future for Todd Pletcher is going to get a perfect stalking trip behind those two. Um, this is a horse that he probably hasn't run his best race yet. I know the Jockey Club Gold Cup was not the strongest race, beat Proxy, Randy's favorite horse by a nose, but I'm counting on him improving a little bit. And I think if there is a little bit of a speed meltdown in here, just about anything can happen. So I'm going to get a little bit weird. Uh, the Japanese horses, Derma Sodagaki, remember him way back in the Kentucky Derby. He hasn't run since then. The one that they're all talking about is Yushba Tesoro. I don't have the faintest idea what to do with him. I mean, we were all raving about the Japanese horses uh, around Triple Crown time and, and how well they were doing. Wouldn't be the least bit surprised if, if he won. But uh, I'm just going to stick with my pick and see if Todd Pletcher can pick off a win in the Breeders' Cup Classic. This is a good year for the Classic not to be the last race on the Breeders' Cup program. It's the first time it's happened in 40 years. This might be the most uninspiring Classic field in 40 years. It, it was already a lackluster race before all the dropouts, you know, now adding Archangelo to the list. Uh, from a pace perspective, okay, Saudi Crown is drawn inside of Arabian Night. I'm just telling you, I don't think there's any chance that Arabian Night is fast enough to outrun Saudi Crown to the lead and drop over. I think the best that Arabian Night could hope for is a head-to-head -head speed duel with Saudi Crown, okay? If they want to avoid that, they've been training Arabian Night to sit off of horses if necessary, and so that might ultimately be the trip that they try to work out because Saudi Crown is a very fast horse early. So then the hope is that they're going to stalk Saudi Crown, okay, get him to relax, hopefully, which he's never done before in a race, and then just go by Saudi Crown when the time comes at the top of the stretch. The problem with that is that Saudi Crown fights, and he fights, and he fights. And Arabian Knight is not going to just blow by Saudi Crown. If he relaxes, then it's going to be a dogfight to get by Saudi Crown. That's why it sets up for White Barrio and for Bright Future and for other stretch runners in there. Look, White Barrio, I'm not going to overthink this. He came off the fastest prep race. I have great respect for Rick Dutrow. Uh, the horse did have some hiccups in training, but he has been given, uh, you know, I've really d delved into that. And the horse is just fine. The horse is okay. Um, and a repeat of that last race at Saratoga in the Whitney, and he's gone. He's long gone because there's nobody in this race that's that fast. So, look, Ushba Tesoro, one, one thing about him. He's on, a, he's on a win streak, okay? But don't forget the Dubai World Cup win, okay? We don't put buyer speed figures on those races, but I can tell you this. It was about five buyer points slower than Derma Sotogake's win in the UAE Derby. So what do you make that? If you make it like a 105, 106, that's only like a 100 for Ushba Tesoro in the Dubai World Cup, making the Dubai World Cup a pretty lackluster kind of race. So that's why I think he's pretty beatable. I, 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 I like the Whitney Exacta all over again. I like Wida Barrio and Zandon. One, two. Certainly food for thought there. I like it. I like you've, you've basically played out the race perfectly because I loved Arabian Nights work, but that's what he does. He works brilliantly. I'm just not sure how good he is against other horses in the afternoon. He's by far the horse that's worked the best over this track. There is no question. 
But yeah, he's never really blown anyone away in the afternoon. So that got me thinking, do I look at Saudi Crown? I was fortunate enough to see him on the track this morning and he looks superb. He's filled out. He's grown up. But how good is he? He's got speed. He doesn't seem to want to quit. I like White Barrio in there. I think I've just got to find someone that'll close. And I'm probably just going to go with Ushba Tesoro because I've just loved the way he's acted over this track since he got here. And I think it's going to be a, a pace meltdown up front. I can't honestly give you one horse that I really, really love in the classic. So I'm, I'm going to go with that one and root for the Japanese. Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint is next, the penultimate race on the card. And uh, I'm going to pick a Pennsylvania bread. I'm sure our sponsors will be delighted to hear that. But I'm not going to pick no, the Pennsylvania no, bread. No, no, no. think I'm going to pick. No. Oh, come on, Randy. No. You too. All right. Don't do this. Bell, Don't do this not, to me, Bill. She's just not. <laughs> All right. I can't, Randy. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm not changing my mind. Look, when we both cash in on roses for Deborah, we'll look like heroes next week. That's the other Pennsylvania bred uh, in the race. Um, she runs in the Smart and Fancy Stakes at Saratoga. A terrific race. Gets a 102 buyer. The race last time out at Parks, the Turf Monster, is a complete throwout. The race was, they say it was run on the turf. It was run on green painted mud that was the worst conditions you might ever see for a turf race ever even though she didn't run that bad she ran third that race is a total throw out uh the 102 buyer before in the smart and fancy uh it looks like she's going to get a good trip from the uh, uh under irod ortiz and so it's going to be a pennsylvania bred just not care about i'm sorry randy you know again let's let's do this oh, together okay man. we'll be here okay all right bill uh, it's, it's the benefit of going first, too. I like that. Um, <laughs> right. So, look, every now and yeah, every now and then, you know, we watch these races and uh, and you're looking. Uh, hang on, I'm scrolling up in my past performances here. Uh, Living the dream is a very very fast horse, by the way, uh, but I just don't think Living the Dream uh, is going to get the right kind of trip in here. I don't. I don't even need to look at the past performances. What the hell? Uh, Every now and then you watch these races on video and, and you're looking for fast speed figures, right? Which is, you know, it's always, I'm a speed figure guy, but you also want the expletive kind of race, like the holy when you watch a race. So you watch Roses for Deborah, like three races back and you're watching the video of the race and you're like, holy, what, what a turn of foot. Not only does she run fast. Oh my, oh my God. She, she's, you know, boom, she's in front and drawn away. And you're like, wow. Then you watch the next race, and it's like, holy. And, and then, again, last race, you throw it out because of the, the green mud, bottomless turf, right? And forget it. She's going to win, and she's probably going to be 6-1 to one or 8-1. to one. Look, uh, she's the best horse in the race. And you and me, Bill, or, or maybe Zoe, too. Go ahead, Zoe. Nope, <laughs> nope. No. No, you, you two can hold hands across the finish line with that one together. And, and I'll root for you both. Um, I'm looking for it to be an absolute speed meltdown with living the dream. Uh, Steve and Jolene uh, Delomos are fantastic people, and they were the only ones that made any sense of fun at the draw yesterday because it's supposed to be fun, right? Those guys are here to have fun. That horse is quick, but I think him and Azarak are going to burn themselves out on the front end. 
He's super, super quick. He will give them a shout at some point. But I want a closer. And I'm going to go with the horse down on the rail. Big invasion. And Christophe Clement to close in a pace meltdown in the sprint. We shall find out. Okay, the day ends with the Breeders' Cup Sprint, which is race 11 on the card, uh, scheduled for 5 o'clock local time, 8 o'clock East Coast time. About that point, Michigan will probably be up 21 nothing on Purdue on NBC as we're watching this on uh, TVG slash FanDuel. Um, I, you know what? I'll go right back to Gunite. Um he is throughout the season was one of the best sprinters. Um, you know, he had that duel with elite power. They're going back and forth. He beat him in the forego. Steve Asmussen tried him in the mile in the park start mile. It just didn't work out. He was beaten at one to five that day. He's back where he belongs at six furlongs. Um, I didn't have to think that hard about this. I respect elite power. He's a terrific horse, but I keep going back to the forego where they met last time out and Gunite was just the better of the two that day. Doesn't mean that, uh, you know, they're not machines and one could have a good day and one could have a bad day, but uh, I'll go with Gunite and Steve Asmussen. Okay. By all accounts, by the, the, by the way, you typically want to handicap this race should be won by speed speedboat beach because for the breeders cup sprint, there is a shocking lack of speed. In the Breeders' Cup Sprint, I'm talking real serious, top-level American Breeders' Cup Sprint speed, like we're accustomed to seeing in this race. So Speedboat Beach is probably going to make the lead and probably going to make a clear lead. But is he as good as Elite Power or Gunite? I don't think so. I just don't think so. I don't think he's that is as fast as they are. Before go, Gunite was advantaged by two things. Number one, the pace, 23.16, and one for the half. Uh, so he got the jump on Elite Power. Secondly, Elite Power was spotting him six pounds in that race. And now they come back at level weight at 126. And I don't think that was Elite Power's best race anyway. So to me, uh, Elite Power's, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight race win streak before that. I think he goes back to putting a W in his win column. I just think he is uh, clearly the best dirt sprinter in the world. I'll raise you the chosen Vron. He's won his mm. last eight. It's a great, it's a great story. Forgotten about him. He looks as good as you've ever seen him. And he is going to be completely ignored. Five to one on the morning line. Take a swing at the chosen Vron. Ali Powell's good. He worked good. But you know, when he, when he left the, I didn't see that want, that fire in elite power that, that made him jump in the bridle when he left the pole. Now, Obviously, Bill said he's a smart old horse and only does what he has to. That's why he works him in company. But I, I don't know. I think it's the chosen Vron's day to shine. So I'm going to go with him and Hector Berrios. And Speedboat Beach is going to be right you know, there. Yep. Ed, you can do a lot worse than take California-based horses in the Breeders' Cup Sprint at Santa Anita. It's been a time-tested formula. Dr. Shivel is a really nice horse. Obviously, uh, the chosen Vron is a win machine. So yeah, this is this is a better race than the Breeders' Cup Classic. This is the finale, you know, Bill. You know All what right. Mike Smith's going to do? He's going to flow everyone wide on Speedboat Beach. Elite Power and those guys. Mike's going to get in the three or four path. He's going to stay exactly where he is. He's in the seven hole, right? He's going to stay there. They're going to have to come around him. He's going to pack all these guys wide. If I'm riding this race, I'm going inside of Mike Smith because he's going to stay out in the seven hole. 
And the Church of Rome is so small, he can just go wherever he wants. The TDN Writers Room is brought to you by XP TV. I already spoke about him once. I'm going to speak about him again. This week's workout of the week is Ushpa Tesora. Now, if you manage to watch the work, you, don't, you probably don't realize where it started and where it finished. So it started about the 5'8 pole, and he galloped off. I think Mike Wells for the DRF got him in like 17 for the opening eighth of a mile. And this is basically a prototypical Japanese work. He picked it up, picked it up, picked it up down the lane and really picked it up around the far turn. They actually gave him a final time of 49 and two. That was on Sunday, right here at the Great Race Place ahead of the Breeders' Cup Classic. Don't sleep on Ushba Tesoro. All the thrills. Fraction of the bills. Experience the power of the partnership. Change your life, make new friends, and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing. West Point Thoroughbreds, the gold standard in racing partnerships. Visit westpointtb.com. All right, before we get into uh, West Point Thoroughbreds, I want to ask Zoe a question about Ushpa Tesoro, the uh, the workout horse of the week, XPTV. I vote for Ushpa Tesoro as the horse most likely to screw up the start of the Breeders' Cup Classic. Did you see that gate, the gate stuff, Zoe, with Ushpa Tesoro? What do you make of that? Yeah, well, you know, he's a big horse and he's not used to like dangly bits around his dangly bits. So the, the, where the gate crew stands in the gate, it's, it's a little bit lower than they have over in Japan and everywhere else he's raced. So once, when they got him in and they closed him up, he didn't like it. And he started kicking and absolutely having a cow. Now they did take him out and he had a cow again and they walked him through the gate a few times. He had no problem walking through the open gate because he didn't have to stop and have the sides touch his back end. So walking through was no problem with the gate open. They can have that open and walk him in. So what they're going to do tomorrow is put the pads on him. They're going to utilize these with all of the Japanese horses. It just squishes them a little bit and stops the back of the gate touching the dangly bits. So we look forward to seeing him school in the gate tomorrow. I think he's going to be fine. Honestly, if that doesn't fill you with confidence about Ushba Tesoro, okay, and his dangly bits, we'll see. All right. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, the TD and Riders Room is brought to you by West Point Thoroughbreds. Uh, joining a West Point Thoroughbred partnership can vault you all together now into the world of instant camaraderie. West Point wrapped up a great Keeneland fall meet. Five wins in all at Keeneland, including one on Friday with King's Ovation, trained by Dale Romans. Little known fact I'm going to give you right now. King's Ovation, five-year-old, is co-owned by my old friend and colleague, Tom Hammond of NBC. He has the Peacock Woo! Stable, which has the NBC Peacock on the silks. Tom, there's a copyright on that Peacock. I hope you cleared that with the authorities uh, before you put it on the silks. West Point's now, of course, on to the Breeders' Cup, where they'll have a couple of hundred partners at Santa Anita entertaining this weekend. Friday, West Point, two big chances. Slider, Bill Finley's pick in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint and Carson's Run in the Juvenile Turf, who got marooned out there in post position 14. Best of luck to all of the West Point partners. To learn more, visit westpointtb.com.
Com. Well, that's a wrap on this week's show. Hopefully you've learned something from our team about the Breeders' Cup, and hopefully we've given you some winners. And uh, it's been a, a educational, uh, dangly, what was that, Zoe? <laughs> Dangly bits. Dangly bits. Okay. There you go. I've been doing this for a hundred years and I've never heard dangly bits before. So. <laughs> but only here do you learn about dangly bits on the TDN Writers Room podcast. Anyways, great thanks to my teammates, Randy Moss and Zoe Cabin. Want to thank our editors, Katie Petruniak and Anthony LaRocca. And uh, excuse me, I, I, I do that every week. I, um, I, I demote them. They're the producers, co-producers. Katie Petruniak and Anthony LaRocca, and our editors, Leah LaRocca and Nathan Wilkinson. Thanks, everybody, for tuning us in. Have a great Breeders' Cup weekend. We'll talk to you next week. 